Coming to YouTube is the show Healing Hands. Healing Hands is hosted and presented by Chenille Bostic. In this series, Chenille will be teaching us about massage therapy and techniques and demonstrate those skills she has acquired to the audience. Click on the YouTube link in the description below to be the first to find episodes of Healing Hands. Healing Hands launches September 12th. During the Zoom meeting, I had to hit the pause button so I don't hear an echo in myself there. Okay. One second here. And what are we doing here? What the heck happened there? Oh, there it goes. Okay, cool. There we are. Kind of, sort of. We are live and stuff and cool. All right. It's interesting how that went this time. Uh, that is life. All right. <laughs> Zoom, the, the Zoom is always an interesting experience when I do it through here. So I'm just doing it this way now because there's no like logos or anything like that on, on there. But anyway. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. And this is Jessica Mason. I met her at San Diego, albeit off and on very briefly as mm -hmm. she was selling her zillions and zillions of books on to, to the many you actually actually had a pretty good crowd actually coming for it, your stuff yeah you came i didn't expect it to be so busy on sunday and you kept coming back and i was like i haven't been i was busy the whole time so no, it's crazy it was, that was good it was that whole day it was good yeah yeah i know russell did a ninja and he vanished at like two in the afternoon and he was gone it's like it's your table now and you're like i know and then i was like <laughs> spread all my books out i felt like i, like, I didn't bring well yeah and i have different titles but i didn't bring them all so yeah at the end it was like it just mary shelley mary shelley mary shelley it was all over the place <laughs> well, well, that's, but that's what you gotta do right you gotta yeah yeah look, you, gotta, you gotta make it look bigger like i i'm gonna be 2024 is going to be interesting for me because I'll be doing this show on the road, like kind of like yeah. what I was doing at the con. Mm -hmm. But I'm also, but I also might add a couple of these places to see if I can get myself a table because I have my own piles of books. But yeah, just to see how, just to see how I do. I have a big mouth, so I think I do okay. I, I could be wrong on that, but I think I think that's that's the whole it, secret to it. Yeah, talking to people is kind of half the battle. It's hard if you don't like that part of it. But it's a necessary part of it. So yeah. I guess like. So for folks, for folks wondering, like I almost interviewed her. I'm actually kind of glad I didn't. I lost all my Sunday stuff. Oh no. Oh, no, I didn't. No, no, it was, I went to put Russell's episode up a Thursday. Yeah. Where his recording was. He was the second last interview that like I did. Yeah. It did not record his interview. I was really choked. Really, oh, no. really, really, no, I lost two interviews, him. And yeah. uh, Alex Cruz, uh, the guy that runs Committed Comics. Yeah. I love both of those interviews. Yeah, like, that's yeah, a bummer. Yeah, but that's what happens when you go on the road, right? So I'm kind of yeah. happy it didn't happen then because we, we wouldn't have had this and then we had to reschedule. And I felt really, I felt, um, yeah, I enjoyed both my chats. It was just like, ugh, ugh. ugh it's it's the worst. It's the road, but that's again, it's the first time doing that on the road. So you go through the ups and downs and you prepare and, and, yeah. and redundancy, redundancy is a good thing. Redundancy yeah. is a fantastic thing. I got most of everything else, but that was like that. <laughs> How many interviews did you do over the, Ten. oh, that's a lot. That's a lot yeah. to get, get people corner them and get them to focus for a little well, bit. No, it, it, yeah. it's, it's not hard. I've never no. had a hard time. I've never had a hard time getting an interview. Ever. Yeah. It's no. like, hi, I have a big mouth and very good at making an ass of myself. Would you like to come on the show? <laughs> it, it, it's amazing how often that works, right? It just, and when people realize that I'm not trying to, um, I'm trying to get to know you, but yeah. that's really all I'm trying to do. I'm not exactly, I'm not, I'm not trying like the secret plan to take over the, no, there's not, there's no, I don't want anything. Wait, we're not, we're not taking over the world. I was, I was hundred percent sure that's what we were doing today. <laughs> So which one of us is pinky and which one of us is brain? Oh, let me see. Yeah. I want to be, I want to be brain, I think you for today, brain? but maybe for pinky the next time <laughs> to switch yeah, it back. See, and... see, I think so. So interestingly enough, there's an argument about pinky and the brain, but who really was the genius of the two of yeah. them? Because if you look at the definition of insanity, it's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Yeah. But by that definition, brain is actually the insane one. It's true. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, Pinky that's is funny. Yeah, it's Pinky's the smart one actually in that in that show, which is a really. But then again, a couple times Brain did succeed. A couple times mm -hmm. it did happen. Uh, yeah. My favorite episode. It's my favorite oh. Christmas episode of all time. It, the letter to Santa that broke the Brain 
like oh, it oh broke. I never, I didn't see that one, the letter to sin. I'm going to go have to watch it right now. I know yeah. I'll wait till after the show, but yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it's legitimately one of the sweetest things. Yeah. It's right at the cusp of Brian's victory. And it is. Oh. It, oh, no. It, it, it's amazing because um, I'm not going to spoil what Pinky wanted in the letter, but yeah. it, it legitimately happens. Oh, nice. At the same moment he reads the letter. It's actually <laughs> genius. I, I, I actually think it's one of the best things I've ever seen. And wow. you're going to watch that and go, you're going to watch that and go, that is incredibly clever. And he did that way back in like 1990, I want to say 1999 or 2000. I'm old. So. Well, and I realized I don't think my kids have seen Pinky in the Brain and they would probably like it. So it'll give me a chance to engage. A, like, I can't remember... God, it's been a while since I watched it. So, but yeah, anyway, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm watching watch. it again. <laughs> watching yeah, it again. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, look at the Christmas special might be the best. Okay. I'll start answer. with the Christmas special. Since you, you, that's you, one. You, you're watching, you're like, oh my God. And then you'll be like, no, he's right. He's actually right. That is fucking brilliant. And that's just, the, oh, you can swear on my show, but oh, okay, good. Yeah, when yeah, I start yeah, deciding to cuss, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> if you throw an F bomb, I'm not going to care that much. I'm okay. Just, I, yeah, I only have two rules don't be a bigot. If you're going to be an asshole, be an entertaining one. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I won't be a bigot. I might, I don't know if I can be an entertaining asshole, so I'll try just to be nice. <laughs> most, most people can't. Most yeah. people legitimately can't. So it, it, it's one of those things where just like, yeah. I say it, right? It's, it's a yeah. nice way of saying don't be an asshole without actually don't being an asshole. You just don't have too many comedians come on or you'll be in trouble, but yeah. <laughs> Even comedians, like honestly, being, a, being an entertaining asshole yeah. for an extended period of time is hard. You can make a quip that will make people laugh, yeah, it's hard to act because it is such a line between like like being an asshole, like funny, and mm -hmm. being mean for the sake yes. of being mean. Yeah, I actually hate roasts for that very reason because it's such a. Uh, they cry because there's stuff that they say that you're like, yeah, that's funny, but that hurt that person's feelings. Like they're not made of steel. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it's, when it's they could go like one step too far. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the nature of comedy. Comedy yeah. kind of wants to push the envelope as much For as you sure. can. But yeah. 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 You can, I mean, I know some comedians will say there's no lines, but there's lines. They And they cross them sometimes. And you're like, yeah. and you can only do it by practicing. You learn what when you cross the line that you go too far. But yeah. Um, well, I, I think you can legitimately say just about anything. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to how you present it, right? Of course. Because yeah. Um, like, because you can, I, I, I don't think, I, I think this is one thing, like, I don't think anything should be taboo to be talked about because the way to dispel any real conflicts mm -hmm. is to have open engagement. You have to have it, but yeah. there's a line between, Hey, I'm trying to elicit this really interesting point to, Hey, I'm just being a dick. And there's and, a, the, and the difference. problem is, is most people, most everyday people can't do it in a provocative well-framed way they just end up being a dick or a bigot that's the yeah. problem like because if you try to apply like the rules of entertainment to like guys are on a bonfire you know it's like you know well, yeah. i'm all about but no i'm just saying people are always trying to be funny in like your personal life you know with with this kind of stuff they're always trying to push the on at least where i'm from i'm from michigan so like a lot of my youth there's always um i I grew up in Jackson for half like my childhood and then I went up to Traverse City, Michigan and then Ann Arbor. And I find I've had a lot of people try to do those little bits. They try to be Chappelle at the kit, you know, and you're like, you guys are not the person to, you can't do it. And, um, but I agree. I think that's the way you have to have honest conversations, but like, there's just some people that like use that as an excuse to say whatever they feel like. And then are like, I'm just joking around, you know, and, uh, you know, and I don't necessarily, you, you know, when it happens, right. You know, and we've gone into a different area, but. No, yeah. no, we, we, we can always, that's, that's the whole point of the show. We can just. Okay, good. We're going yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we're we're to talk about bonfires in Michigan and people going too far. <laughs> so my family's from Detroit. So oh, okay. I got curious. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I kind of, I was kind of like curious, like. I have family up in Cl like Clio Flint and, you know, a family in Northern Michigan area and um, yeah, all over. So. Yeah. Sure. So, so yeah. you're in Michigan, you're in Michigan, you still live, you're still living in Michigan or have you? No, like, I live, I'm the, I'm the weird one who went to Los Angeles and then uh, yeah, but I come back every, every year and visit people. So. Well, 
it's it's also just a different environment too because i'm yeah. I, okay now, on a personal note i i, I kind of hate la like i'm all fine. california yeah, yeah it's okay yeah. I, I, I like la but i think i hated it when i first visited and i think if i had just visited i'd always hated los angeles it took a while it's, yeah it's, you got to figure it out it's not easy no i i, yeah. I love san diego like san diego mm -hmm. was really easy to fit in there but yeah. i feel like i felt like los angeles like i understand why people go like i really yeah. do it, it it's if you're especially want to get into entertainment yeah. there aren't many places that are better like yeah. maybe if you're a theater you might go to new york but i mean mm -hmm. if you're not in theater you're probably in la and that's uh that's I the mean, thing la just la breaks a lot of people down a lot of people leave los angeles like oh, yeah. you know i came out here in my 20s and like tons of my tons of people i knew left you know slowly over the years and so like it is a kind of city that you have to either you have to really find a spot that you like and a tribe and if you don't or you know even if you do people leave you know it's like they get sick of it but like mm -hmm. i I love to hate it. I hate to love it. You know, it's like, well, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's your home. And that's, yeah, it's my home. Whole, and that's totally fair. Like, like, yeah. like it wouldn't be my home, yeah. but that's, that's me. I mean, you get like, at the end of the day, like, like not everything in this world is built for me. And I, no. I've accepted this and know this, right. And mm -hmm. vice versa. So you just, but it's about where you can do what you feel you're supposed to do. And the weird thing about cities, especially as big as LA, is they constantly change. So, yeah. you know, there's been times like where I've liked LA a lot more than mm -hmm. now. And and it just as it transforms, like it's transformative place. So it, it it there's just constant, constant change going on. So like, yeah, it is it's not for everyone, hundred percent. And it didn't used to be for me. So I'm kind of surprised I've been here now like God, probably almost 20 years. So yeah it's then yeah you, it's your home and that's cool and then the, and then, it gets then, any hotter though it's not going to be <laughs> <laughs> i mean you do have the beach there at least right and so i mean it's, it's not all bad well but you're from if you're from michigan you have uh the great lakes and so you're like kind of where i'm from i have the great lakes yeah so. yeah yeah yeah, yeah kind of depends yeah. on where you are like if you traverse city absolutely jackson yeah. not really no 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 i didn't even yeah, yeah. we drove up to them you know so, yeah yeah ann arbor i mean if i were to live in michigan again it would ann probably be ann, arbor, be ann arbor it probably would be i just it's it's very much it it feels, i love ann arbor it's very good it's yeah. it's 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 how to word this it's a lovely city and i, I mean that in like a good way yeah. it is it, it it's it's fun there's a good energy to it mm -hmm. um it's the honestly one of the only places in it's one of the only places in michigan that kind of feels and i hate to say it alive michigan mm. kind of feels like a shell i remember back in my day i remember like what it was like in the 90s and i just think mm -hmm. about it now and it's just like and I remember I found found its groove, but I think the rest of the state has struggled. I might be wrong mm -hmm. saying that, but that's just my impression of it every time I go through it. I think there's been a lot of struggle in Michigan, which would kind of explain like a lot of the like current um, push and pull politically there. You know, it's just trying to solve a lot of problems that it's had. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of cities that I've seen get a lot cooler and bigger and more mm -hmm. um, exciting to be in. So I think there's been a lot of growth in Michigan too. So it, I'm a little bit like, I see the struggles in like a lot of the towns, but I also see growth in some of the other ones. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm a huge Michigan fan as well. Like I would move, I would move back probably like retirement kind of situation because my kids are where they are right now. And I don't know, where are you? Where do you live? Currently Calgary, Alberta. Okay. Alberta. Got it. So you love that. No, not, okay. Not, 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 not exactly. So you're a Rolling Stone. <laughs> no, I, I go I go everywhere, man. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I've lived in Phoenix. I've lived in Detroit. I've lived in the states. I've lived in a yeah. town in there in, in Arizona called Snowflake, Arizona. It really exists. I promise. Okay. Um, I've seen a lot of states. I've seen a lot of like Canada. In Canada, I lived a lot in Ontario, which be a very it's very close to Michigan in terms of temperament. Yeah. Um, closer than a lot of Canadians would like to think. But it's a, um, mm -hmm. so I've lived there. I lived in Alberta. I lived in BC. I'm, I'm a wanderer. Like I'm a legitimately okay. a, one of those people that wander. I, I came back to Alberta towards the end of the uh, pandemic for a bunch of reasons. I was hoping to reconnect with some people here. It didn't happen the way I imagined it would. Yeah. And honestly, the San Diego trip kind of crystallized something for me. I was able to get more 
interaction from strangers in a week there then i was able to get to my friends here in a year and that kind oh, wow. of tells you just the different mentalities like some some like each city has right you gotta yeah. find what fits you and that's like that's been my kind of thing like i don't hate calgary i don't want to mm-hmm. like like it but i don't love it either if that makes sense love it. yeah for sure yeah <laughs> well we've gone all over the map now <laughs> well it's it's okay like we're, yeah, we're yeah, yeah. Get, so we're just we're just yeah. talking right and no that, i'm a, i'm fine with it i've only lived in um the two states I've lived in, lived in Michigan and California. So, cause I was born in California, like, uh, out really? in, yeah, I was, my dad were, was in the Marines. So I was born out in the Marine base at Joshua tree. Oh, cool. 29, so 29 palms. And then, um, I didn't live out here though. We only were out here for like, I don't even know, six months. And then we, I drove, we, they drove me back and we have been lived in Michigan since then. And then of course I had to come out to California because of that. I was like, I was born there. I have to like go back to the order, you know, the, where it all started. And, uh, you know, and the film industry, obviously, but I, you know, I visited because I was interested in, um, yeah, so that's, those are the two states I've been in, so I haven't lived in other states. It's, it's okay, yeah. like, yeah. like I, in one sense, I envy you, because yeah. I, 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 like, um, in one sense, you had a sense of home, it, mine was taken, so, like, yeah. me looking for where I belong is, a, that's been one of my life journeys, right, yeah. seeing, but the advantage I've had is I've seen so many places and so much growth, but from an outsider's perspective, but you've had it from the inside and that's kind of cool. I mean, you get, you got family roots growth. I mean, that's all good things, right? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I, I, no, but I don't have any family in California per se, but yeah, but in Michigan for sure. But I have that connection to it. That's why I want to come out here and everything. Yeah. And then now, now I do have family because I have my own family out here Exactly. and friends that I consider family. So, yeah. So, I mean, I say you, you yeah. grew your own, you developed your own place. So you yeah. came out here for film is what you said. So mm-hmm. did you want to make movies? Did you want to be in front of the camera? What, um, was, what was your I, master plan? Well, I'm a writer. So yeah. I did, I went came out here to screenwrite. So I worked at creative artist agency and book and rights and um, lit, in lit. So we did a lot of like, worked with a lot of big screenwriters. Then it was like, I worked on a TV show in the writer's room. Um, then I worked in uh, feature development. And at that point I got my agent with my screenwriting partner and we started pitching and going out with spec scripts and having tons of meetings. And then, um, and we did an animation. We did, God, we did like, we probably went out with like three or four spec scripts. Um, and we did a feature, we did a pitch with a Disney producer all over town to all the different animation studios. And this was like pre um, Frozen and pre Brave cart, you know? And so we were doing an original animation that wasn't based on a book or anything. It was an action adventure with a female lead. and. At that time, they were really not doing that. They were like, we only do original action adventures with a boy lead. They did female stuff with, uh, if it was based on a book, because it was like girls read and boys go to the movies. That's what they all said. It was like, they all went to the same meeting, you know? And we almost sold that pitch. I remember, like we got all the way to the top at Sony and DreamWorks, like at the top executives. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to sell this original feature animation. It's going to be insane. And we ultimately didn't. and then the strike, I remember the first strike, the first WGA, the, not the first, but the first one I experienced happened and like put everything on pause. And uh, that, and so that was like, I, I still write scripts and do stuff, but that was like at the right at the, you know, the moving your screenwriting career was starting to happen. And then I, um, what did I do? Then I produced a few uh, low, like low indie film, low budget indie films, and I continued to screenwrite and um directed a film of my own with uh my husband who's also a director he works on young sheldon and um and then i got into youth programming i started volunteering with young people because i went to college to do that and um i did with kids who had been homeless as my other side thing i was into but like and i got sucked into doing a young it was like just kind of random i was volunteering and then i started doing like classes and youth programming and kept writing and doing that and then i um Eventually, uh, when I had my kids, I wanted to get back to writing novels again. Um, I had started, I went to college to write books and short stories and sci-fi. And somehow I, oh, I took a screenwriting class and I was like, this is amazing. I love screenwriting. And so then I started to do that. So I wrote a uh, novel, um, and that, which, is, which no one's ever seen because I have, that's the one I still haven't put out yet. And then I wrote a short story for my daughter's 
called Plastic Girl, just kind of about my fear was and my fears and hopes around climate change. And that turned into a trilogy, which I just finished up this year called Plastic Girl, which is out. And and then somewhere along the lines, I started going to comic book conventions <laughs> and got in, got and got back. A few of my friends were like, I want my writing partner wanted to do a comic. Um, I was getting into doing, I wanted to do a comic just because the two mediums like film and comics have that visual component. And um I started going to cons to figure out what the current thing was, you know, what people were doing. So I was reading tons of graphic novels with my daughters. I was reading my own. I couldn't finish a book anymore because my mom brain. So I was like reading graphic novels <laughs> instead. And so I suddenly was like, I really want to do this. And um, so I kind of tried to train myself to do it and um, gave myself a crash course in comics um, as far as just going to conventions, meeting people, watching what people are doing. Um, and then started writing some comics. So that's kind of, that was my long answer to that short question, but yeah, hey, <laughs> that's, long, long, yeah. Long answers so yeah, I, I came out here, I've always wanted to be a writer. Um, so yeah, if film was, if, I mean, I'm still involved in the film industry. It's just, I, I got frustrated with it. It was not exactly working out the way I wanted it to work out. And so, yeah. And it got to the point where I just was like, didn't feel like redefining myself once again because I had two different writing partners I wanted to redefine myself in prose and um, comics and then if I ever get a chance to write a script that'd be great I know how to do it but yeah so it's kind of <laughs> you know so because you had I had two partners and so that was like for me it was like I have my own scripts I've written on my own but like to kind of you know, everyone knows you branded yourself one point, two different ways. And then it's like, okay, I got to do it a third way. And now it's just like, oh my God, no, what do I want? What do I want that to look like this time? You know? And so, yeah. It's funny. I had a drink with an author buddy of mine. He's got like stuff optioned in film. Yeah. And it's interesting. He, they, there is an aspect to the, to the business that's kind of hard to grasp for a lot of people yeah. like on the outside. And that's this, they pay sometimes as much for stuff not made. Yeah. They don't, it is, it, they don't they they don't want to see it out there so they'll pay for it yeah and that's it's, just the dead yeah and it's it, it's probably one of the most i had another buddy on on the show like for a long time he was paid to write content for them mm. that never would get made just what? put just, yeah just, just ip because <laughs> because because as you well know i piece yeah. the real money and and yeah in hollywood and and so they would they would hire people to create like it is such a strange industry because you think the goal would be i want to make as many good films as possible yeah. so people can watch that's not the business model it's almost like they make films out of spite sometimes i'm right? sure there i'm sure there are plenty of them that do at the top levels you know yeah. the, the, i mean i i don't think necessarily like at a director writer level no, but, not, or, not, a, or a creative no. producer level but what you're talking about is when you're talking about big executives and their little yeah. petty fights that they have which i'm sure there's some truth to entourage when you watch it you know there's moments when i think people just want to beat the other person there is definitely that competition between like sure. agents and executives and and you know you you see it too when you see like two projects come out at the same time and they're almost the same movie and you're like okay what and it's just they're they're, they're competing they're going quick they're trying to race each other you know I, I don't know it's um yeah so definitely think people buy things to bury them there's definitely proof that you know when a new studio executive takes over they like trash the other executives projects so you your project could be almost greenlit about to get made and then someone takes over someone else's yeah. job and like I hate that guy I'm gonna kill everything he's ever done you know and then there's a wake of tragedy and you know like lost broken dreams yeah for no, sure I, I, I say all that just because it sounds to me like what what happened with you is it seems to be like again because you're right writers directors even a lot of producers they just yeah. want to see a good product out there yeah, yeah. that's all they want to do but it sounds to me like you 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 branded rebranded you're like you know what I'm just gonna go back to what I really love to do that's mm -hmm. kind of what what I I this is the sense I have anyway yeah um I want to I want to go out there I want to find my audience my people in the mm -hmm. stories I'm telling and you helping me makes me go with like the Frank like the Mary Shelley story that yeah. puts things <laughs> into a very interesting perspective for me oh, yeah. I, I I believe that writers write what they care about. I yeah. do truly believe that and it sounds to me like that youth stuff kind of came um it, it definitely helped with the Mary Shelley concept like like mm -hmm. I don't know if that would have existed if you hadn't gotten into stuff when you were younger yeah you never know 
right? I agree. I do think writers are driven. I remember my, well, my screenwriting teacher um, that I had really said something like that. Like you have to write what you know. And when you're first out of college, you don't necessarily know a lot. You haven't had a lot of different experiences. And his challenge was always to us is to go have experiences that weren't just the film industry, you know, like, you know, the, some of the most interesting ideas come out of different, from different perspectives, you know, and, you know, and so make sure you're having those experiences as well and connecting to the world in a different way than just, you know, just movies, 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 movies all the time, you know, and so I, I've always liked to do other things than just developing movies all the time. So that was partially why I jumped out of that and kind of was doing youth programming part-time and screenwriting the other part-time. Cause I, that wasn't the reason, but I do agree with that idea that you shouldn't always just be, you know, you need to have other, you have to connect with other things in a more meaningful way as a, to feed yourself as a writer, you know, as well. And as a human being in general, but yeah. Yeah, you, you have to you have to go and experience life. That's something that yeah. that's something that I think we all and I think someone at twenty can actually come up with some really crazy experiences. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I I so I stayed so when I was in San Diego, I stayed at the at a hostel at Pacific Beach. So I got to watch okay. people of half my age just doing incredibly stupid shit sometimes. And yeah, it was for like sure. but I say that and like it's a good thing. They're going out there, they're they're like some of them are traveling the world right now through mm-hmm. the, through that lifestyle. And it's just like you know what this is a good way to learn who you are and like i said you can do an awful lot and i think that's i think honestly the biggest challenge in the industry is it's mm-hmm. not creating a story it's creating a story that kind of reflects who you are as a person because that's the stuff that you're going to find people with yeah that's true it is yeah. And because you know when you're not your your material's not connecting, you're it's not it, it could just be a hit and a miss or you made a mistake, but it might just be that you're not the messenger for that story. That's happened, you know. Like yeah. not that you anyone can send deliver any story, I believe that, but at the same time, there are stories that are more right for me and stories that are more right for you. And you know, and when you hit that one, you know it because it's easy to talk to people about, it's easy to pitch, it's easy to excite them about you're not working as hard you're not convincing them they need to look at it you're just telling them about it and the people that are you know you're going to get the interest of like minds kindred minds and things like that so yeah like my current novel like when i write it it's yeah. easy like I'm, yeah. I, I i'm literally like just churning stuff mm-hmm. out and yeah. when i and if i don't know what i'm saying it's like okay but the, like you can feel like, like that start stop like it's almost like a car like choking cough yeah. cough 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 it's like i can't can't come up with a word to save my life and, yeah. and it, right I, I, it, it happens right yeah. it's like one of those like little things like if i care it shows and if i don't care it also shows and mm-hmm. i and it's very it's very important so when did when when did you flip the script and say i want to do a comic like what was the story you read that made you go i can do this because there had to be one let me think um Oh, you mean what comic did I read that made no, me does, think? It, it, oh, yeah. It, it, doesn't have to, it doesn't necessarily have to be a comic, although it probably was. But yeah, I'm trying to think because, God, I was just like reading so many comics. I knew there's comics that um, got me got me excited and about, oh, this is a cool thing to do. Um, the first comic I read that made me think I could do make a comic myself. Um <laughs> it's okay I've stopped I know it. I know it got me I know the first time like the comics that I that got me excited or the kind of comics I wanted you know what I'm gonna say it was this comic I read with my daughter um it's called I think I think it's called I want to say it's called Will Will the Wisp um, and it's by Megan oh. Hutchinson yeah and I, it's I, like have a it. cute, I, and I have yeah, it and it wasn't no that's not the first comic that's got me excited about comics but it was one of the first comics that got my daughter excited about comics and we got that comic and we met Megan and I we read that together and I was already starting to write a different comic with you know but this when I read that one and I said oh this is and I saw how my daughter interacted with it I was like this is kind of a world totally different I go but I want to I want to do something like that at some point you know like um and, and that, so, cause I just liked how 
I mean, it was dark, it was interesting, it was gothic and, um, and compelling. The art was beautiful. Um, and I thought it was coolly packaged because it had that little lock on it. Um, and at least the one that we got. And um, yeah, so I think somewhere in the back of my mind, that was the first one I read that made me start thinking about wanting to do something like Mary Shelley's School for Monsters. Um, hers is much darker than mine, but <laughs> yeah, but um, it that I think in the back of my mind, I'm like, this one's really cool. This is a cool creator. Um, I want to do something like this. And I'm not an artist, so it's like I have to find someone to partner with to do something like this. Yeah. She's legitimately an incredibly sweet lady. I, uh, yeah. I, I, I've met her a few times. She actually gave me a print for, yeah. just for, just because I liked her work so much. Yeah, from, she's from, sweet. No, she's really sweet. Like, uh, rocks, the, her series Rock Stars, right? Yeah. So she's, I, like I have, I have a, I have a print of it. Like, it's, it's in my storage locker right now because yeah. I'm, I'm getting ready to go on the road in a few months. So I, mm -hmm. I have to decide what goes with me, but I, I do keep some good comic art and that is, one of my favorite pieces. She's she's really good. So. And her prints are great. And she did, you know, during all the 2016, all that stuff, she did this uh, print that had like a little cat with its fist up in the air, like fight the power. And it and she offered it to like protesters to use. And I remember I printed one out really big and used at one of the protests I went to. And that was a really cool print. And I have that as well. That was from our political side, but yeah. So yeah, she's an artist that, I mean, that's more the, I would say the last 10 years that I've interacted with on this like quest to do this, that really inspired me. So I would yeah, no. point to her. Um, that's, and I, and I would really search, I, I, I really went into like what the indie comics scene was doing and seeing, cause that's what I felt like I would be coming from that perspective. And um, so, yeah, but that's one comic. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a good one. I actually wish she did more work. Like I do. I do too. I'm waiting. Yeah. yeah no. I. 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 I, I don't. I don't want to pressure her though. Like she can. No. Do no. What no. She wants I, to I, do, I, yeah. I. I. I just think. I just legitimately think she's a very gifted storyteller, and she. Yeah. And, and she. She just should do more books. That's just my. I agree my, with that. I agree my with side. that. I. This is my personal opinion. So mm -hmm. Megan, if you are listening to this, because everyone's, she actually bought one of my. Well, she actually bought my Alice book, so it's kind of cool. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Megan, if you are listening to this, yeah, please do more books. We and like my it. daughter would like another book too. I'll just throw her in here as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah might as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I like. So, so okay, so you like. Okay, I, I'm going to ask this now. We're going to sh slightly shift it before we get into Mary Sean and stuff. Okay, that's fine. Um, young adult stuff. Were you reading any of that stuff as well? I asked, I asked that because young adult has kind of shifted into this direction as well with some of yeah. with uh, monsters or re. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say like reimagining the story a little bit, but the idea of using characters you would not expect to be the heroes and heroines of the of the stories yeah They're right right yeah ya kind of went into a similar direction with stuff like the school of good and evil and a few other things so i'm just kind of mm -hmm. wondering if that was well you know i watch all that stuff and i read all that stuff with my daughters because they're right and you know i've got a 10 and 13 year old so i do do a, a lot of that just naturally <laughs> so but it's also research and i have always but even since i was young i've always liked the stories where the what your expectation of the monster is is actually the hero or the anti-hero and not in like i'm not the bad guy who's going to hurt you kind of way necessarily but like you know like the mon i'm always been appealed to the monster and to the darker characters and um so i have read a ton of like ya and um middle grade comics and watched all the shows and i just have always you know honestly wanted to do a a monster theme story um a team of misfits and I but I didn't want to go after monsters and I didn't want to um because I always enjoyed Scooby-Doo as both a child and as a mom and then like Buffy and all the stuff and I like the team coming together and going on the missions you know and that's kind of a big part of Mary Shelley and so um yeah I mean I have noticed that yeah there is a lot of that I did just read one I mean, I read this after I'd been doing Mary Shelley, but Another Kind is a middle grade YA, I think probably middle grade more than YA though, um, graphic novel that came out this last couple of years, which is is basically another take of a group of monsters who 
are not they're not misunderstood but yeah they're being tracked and gathered up for nefarious reasons and um yeah so yeah i i just think i just think we all kind of feel like the monster a little bit yes. at some yeah. point because yeah. sometimes Especially with old ages yes mm-hmm. yes uh, yeah oh no like like and I think that's that, why they, yeah. you know at that age you feel kind of evil you know you have that not evil but you feel misunderstood you feel like a misfit even like the most perfect the everyone thinks is the popular kid inside is probably feeling like a misfit there's a very few people who i think are just feeling like they're the perfect version they're the good guy at that age at that age i think we're all think we're hiding an inner monster yeah so. I, I, so for me it was misfit then when my 20s good guy in my 30s secretly a villain yeah, and, you went, and, you went villain. <laughs> yeah, no, it's and and now that I'm in my forties, I just know I'm a villain. It's all good. Oh, you just I, accept it. I am a villain. <laughs> no, because because I I think honestly our most human. I think it's when we, we're our most. I'm not saying that we're necessarily bad people. Yeah. But there are things I think when we get old, when we're younger, we think we have all. There comes a point in our journey where we yeah. have all the answers. We think yeah. we know everything, and yeah. then there comes another part of the journey. When we realize we know nothing yeah and what I, yeah yeah, yeah right, <laughs> right so i think what happens what happened in my again for me just my own life i realized that there are moments in my life where i did not make the best decisions and mm-hmm. i'm okay with it because yeah. i've learned from those things yeah. now there's now that i am now in my like for i'm 41 years old and i'm like mm-hmm. okay some of these things I can still change. Yeah. Some of them I can't. Yeah. And it's okay. I think by accepting the fact that I don't have always the best qualities in some things mm-hmm. allows me ironically to be a better person. I'm more confident with who I am and who yeah. I'm not. And I can just yeah. go out there and be that. Now, at 50 years old, you might see me walking down with one of those obnoxious red capes. I look at like Spawn and like, oh my god, no, there's no use, <laughs> there is zero use for this cape, but it does look awesome, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 right, yeah, right. But mm-hmm. I think I think there's just a natural progression of, I think like when you why why monsters are so fascinating. Like one of my favorites is Medusa, yeah. one of my absolute favorites. I think she is one of the most intriguing monster she was kind of forced to have to have this terrible terrible face that's why we brought her we put her in the book yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah no for me i mean my owl yeah. story she is actually pre-gorgon yeah okay, uh, nice. oh i make her pre-gorgon a knight that can still turn people to stone yeah in story in as i could progress the series she ironically because of the way i've constructed owls becomes the monster mm. kind of forced but not in the same way she actually gets i've always felt like she kind of got like she never had a choice right and mm-hmm. i always thought that was unfair you're talking right? about medusa now right yeah 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 yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i agree i think i think what happened to medusa is, is very unfair which is also like oh i have a different backstory for her which i haven't don't get into yet but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no but there comes but there i think yeah. i think the thing the thing is is um and and like there's like all these very fascinating stories about these monsters about who they are mm-hmm. and 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 so just get like I, I always thought like Jason was a bigger monster than Medusa yeah. ever was right for sure R- right and, yeah. and 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 I think what it is it's the honesty about who we are and who we're not and to do that we have to embrace our good which mm-hmm. as we get older might be a little harder to do actually yeah and then we have to embrace but we're not yeah. and that's that's a very that's a that's a very good like self-reflective journey that not a lot of people necessarily do at 20 or 30 or even 40. i just i just i just embrace my inner villain a little bit sooner that's all right <laughs> and, right and then yeah. that's 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 i think that's the thing i think that's why monsters are so fascinating because there are parts of ourselves mm-hmm. we see in those monsters and yeah. And you should see them. You should see yourself, and because the, the you know in the myths and in old myths and all the stories and folk tales and everything, the monster is serving a purpose and is a role in you know in the story and in part of the community. And so, what is that representing, both like internally inside of you, and what is it 
representing externally like it for the whole community and so like the monster is just as much part of you know who you are when you read those stories like you like when you can't putting yourself in there if you can't relate to the monster you might be in denial that's that's what I'm saying Wait, you, know well, what I mean? you, be... you haven't embraced any part of your your inner self you know like darkness at all and when I say monsters like a lot of times in these stories you know I think the monster's getting kind of the raw end of the deal but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and so you know and and this and when I find the most interesting stories is when the humans in the story are actually the monsters and you know you're yeah. focusing on and that's why like for me why Frankenstein um by Mary Shelley has transcended time and space you know and keeps captivating people's imaginations over and over again because you read that book and you're like yes this thing is this like grotesque monster that he's created and but as you go through the story it's like everything around it is the community is the humans making him into a monster you know the rejection the isolation the you know the um and all that and so I just I think a lot of times, you know, it's like we are, I mean, we are the monsters. And so like making the monsters the hero makes sense to me, you know, like let's, let's, and they're not even, my monsters aren't even necessarily always being super altruistic. They're just, you know, they're team monster. They're like, we're going to go rescue them. And then we're going to figure out why the curse that they have, or, you know, the thing that's happened to them, why it's not fair. We're going to help them unpack that trauma a little bit on the side <laughs> and try to fix it. I mean, that, that's what we we're, do with light. We're, light we're, we're going to play our entire psychologist here at the same time. Yeah, this yeah, might yeah. be why you did not. It's all, all good. Yeah. No, I no. It just like, if you look at some of the best like stories, like pop mm -hmm. culture things, like everybody loves Wednesday Adams. Yeah. She's, she's, she's openly like, this, this is who she, I am. Yeah. Right. And in the new series, she's even more so she's just like, she's double down <laughs> well no but but that's yeah. the best but that's yeah i think that, that's the one of the best things about that's why she works it's yeah. not her te her tendencies are cute and quaint and want like whatever yeah it's how she accepts them that's mm -hmm. what makes her such a compelling she doesn't yeah. pretend to be something she's not no ever and no. that is her <laughs> charm that is actually yeah. her true charm, right? So no, it's true. She's very straight up in your face about it. Yeah. yeah. And you're either going to accept me or you're not. And either way, I'm still going to be me. And that is probably one of the best things about her. And when I look at monster fiction, quote unquote, we're gonna call it monster fiction because there's no I didn't think right. that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um I think a lot of that's what's about that's also why like the X-Men are always have such a huge appeal mm -hmm. as well, because it's hugely about, inspired by them yeah, yeah. They, like whatever whoever the misfit is of the day mm -hmm. whoever the misfit is of the day it right whatever period because there's always going to be people that are ostracized it's just it's it's human nature to some degree yeah we gotta have someone to be on the outside to be it's, other it, to be it's yeah. nature the nature of intelligence is we discern difference it's just mm -hmm. how we see the world yeah. The real wisdom comes from when we can look past those differences and see yeah. our connections. That's yeah. the, that's the thing, right? So you can't. I don't. I like a lot of people will look at parts of human nature as grotesque. I, I don't look at it like that anymore. I look at it more like this is who we are. Mm -hmm. How do we bring the no? How do we make these things noble? Well, well, and denying that we don't see differences, look how yeah. that's worked out for us. Like, well, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, no, that's it doesn't, exactly. it doesn't help the conversation at all to be like, I don't, you know, we're obviously humans. We do categorize whether we want to or not. And, yeah. It, yeah it, and it's how we survive. And mm -hmm. it, it, like, there is that part of it to it. So you can't escape it. What you can do though, is say, okay, this is your difference. Yeah. Where are we similar? And yeah, suddenly, exactly. and, and at that point, you're not villainizing anybody, you make them more human. And that's mm -hmm. cool. And even at the end of the day, we may not agree on everything. Like, you know, yeah. you know, I might look outside and see the sky is blue and you might say, well, the sky is fuchsia. Who the hell am I, who am I, who the hell am I? Why not? And you're like, I, and I might be crazy, which is fine. <laughs> well, or, or, or I might, or, or yeah. I might be, I might be the crazy one. I like, That's I'm true. a big, I'm a big, I'm a big enough man to acknowledge something like how I see the world isn't necessarily how the world is. Yeah. And that's 
a big part of it too. It's like, mm -hmm. again, as you get older, you just realize you don't know that as much as you think you do. And right. And that's, well, uh, you, you start to realize how subjective and unreliable your memory is. And mm -hmm. once you realize that it does help open up the fact, like it, it doesn't make you argue the same way, you know, you, you realize like, I mean, one thing about I play with in Mary Shelley's school for monsters is all about the concept of how Frankenstein, you know, uh, Mary Shelley said that she always said it came to her like the story Frankenstein came to her in a vision or in a fever dream or in a, you know and artists like to say that around that time period you know because they wanted to say it was a vision because if you were a true artist a true creative you know you were struck by the spirit you know it was struck you were struck with inspiration you know you just didn't, you didn't have an idea and just work on it and um but instead of it being you know a, for me instead of it being a vision it was maybe what if it was a repressed memory what if it was yeah. something that happened to her when she was young and or she got a, some some small trauma that she had when she was young and that becomes like the beginning of our story you know and um so I like the idea because I feel like we rely on our memory a lot and we rely on our take on things and our subject our subjective observation and it's very um skewed you know and can't be trusted all the way like you can trust it to an extent but you're some you're having a different experience as the person next to you all even though you're standing right next to each other you're not having the same experience i have which is well, crazy <laughs> well no I, I i don't think it's crazy at all i yeah. think it's awesome because yeah. that means the world is bigger than i can ever hope to imagine it to be that's a yeah. wonderful thing that's i have i have 12 rules to success the ninth yeah. rule is detach from all outcomes yeah, that's a good one. It's a very good one. But it's a hard one. Yeah, because that, it's a hard one. Because look, okay, you know, this as well, like this is like, we live in the we live in the rejection business. Like mm -hmm. We do. Yeah. So we work as hard, we think this idea is awesome and made of cheese or whatever the hell it is. And then yeah. suddenly, nope, it sucks. Yeah. It, yeah, it sucks. And then you're like, why does it suck? Can't suck. It's my idea, <laughs> right? And and that's the thing. That's but, hard. But, yeah, that's yeah. It's totally. so hard, right? But that's one of the things I've 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 learned. And this is this this is the thing. It's okay that I have an idea how the world works. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I'm right all the time, and that's yeah. That's if I have, that's the thing. That's the real secret. Now, at the again, at the end of the day, let's go back to the skies, blue skies, future thing, real mm -hmm. quick here. Yeah right? I don't perceive the world the way you do. For all yeah. I know, for all I know, you might be just as right as I am. It's like someone talking to a, a voice in their head, like an imaginary friend. Yeah. Is that really that insane? You see a <laughs> world? No, you see a world I don't. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily make you crazy. It just yeah. makes you, you see the world differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I hear you. Sorry, I, I just no, dropped something. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, right. I, I, I've learned this. Like, it, it, when I have that perspective, when I have yeah. that perspective, I, again, it's, I don't judge people as yeah. much, right? I may mm -hmm. disagree with a, uh, an opinion. I might miss, I, but I'm open to understanding, yeah. which, if I would be so bold, maybe is what Mary Shelley is really all about. Oh, my, the book or Mary Shelley herself? Actually, maybe both. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do think Mary Shelley was very open yeah. to, uh, um, like, new ideas, reforming society, not being, not, you know, following all the rules and, you know, basically, yeah, she was very open to all this stuff. But yeah, I do think a lot of, um, you know, for everyone who's listening doesn't know, a lot of what I'm trying to do with Mary Shelley's School for Monsters is, you know, it, I feel like I should say what it's about so people know. We haven't gotten to the pitch part of this yeah, conversation no. <laughs> yet, but, but feel free to talk about it. No, I mean, we keep, we talked about it. And so now I'm like, I mean, but yeah, I do think a little bit about, you know, what she's trying, what I'm trying to do is give a different version of monsters we already know, like La Llorona. You know, we have a story, we have a folktale and, um, you know, and then we want to, uh, I want to just, explored a little differently you know and and all of these monsters i want to do it a little differently and give a different you know i think i got lost in what your actual question was sorry because that was a good point because we we're talking there you're saying that 
Mary Shelley is about being open. You made a really good point. And I, da, da, da. Well, no, no, no. And it's already, no, th yeah. this, is, this is what, this is what, yeah. the, don't, don't be shy. Like, I'm not I mean, shy. I think I just, yeah. my brain just went, I'm going to go talk about this, but that's not what we were talking about. Yeah, no, so, it's, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, 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 one of the things I've learned doing these conversations that is they go anywhere and everywhere. I just, yeah, yeah. I'm just, along, I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> uh, um, so a couple things left and then we'll, we'll wrap this bad boy up. So yeah. you you have a, you said Mary shares school for monsters, which yeah. I, by the way, I'm just going to let you know this. It's probably going to, it's already gonna, like, I've already like very quietly folks. One of the few comics I did buy or get from my San Diego experience was from Jess, like was through the prelude and she was kind enough to give me more to check out. So that will be, that will probably be on a, a future review at first comics. I'm deciding whether it's going to be you or Ed's Ed's comic. Okay. Um, first. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to read it. And, and, but my, my question is before we get to that stuff, is, mm -hmm. do you have a master, like, do you have a set story arc where it's going to start and finish? Yeah. Or do you have a master plan where it's like, I'm going to make it a cartoon empire? Because it sounds like, <laughs> like, sounds like, and the other thing too is, are cartoon video games, whatever the case may be, is like, do you want to go into other venues? Or are you very content with where it's gone? Um, with Mary Shelley School for Monsters, I definitely want it to be a book series, a comic, you know, graphic novel series that goes for at least four books. I would like to keep going as long as it makes financial sense. Um, for right now, four books because I love it. <laughs> and I think no, it will make, I think it will make financial sense. It is so far making financial sense. Um, and so I do have a story an arc I would say for like a first season of television like I have an arc of a story that would go mm -hmm. and for me I that could take me four to six comics um graphic novels like full-size graphic novels and so um I do have that mapped out um I have a journey with the big bad Dr. M um and then so throughout and then of course some of them are you know each book is they have a monster that they have to rescue and then it intertwines with the you know the the larger story so like the first book is like rona and they have to our team has to go rescue her because she's been trapped in a, a video game by a tech a game like a horror video game with some occult tech and they have to figure out how she got trapped in there and get her out because when kids are playing the game they're going missing um because they run into la Llorona. and um so they have to get her out and they have to actually then also help her with her curse because I picked La Llorona first because her story is so dark, you know, she murdered her children, but I'm always like fascinated by stories like that because what drives a woman to murder her children, like what society breakdowns with mental health, with like her community, with everything that got to that point, like how did that, how did our folk person get, how did that happen to that woman, should she be punished for all eternity for it? I mean, it's a very evil thing to do, but it's like, mm -hmm. so we could play with that idea, like how, how much, like, how do people who are also responsible for the, the death of those children off, just let off scot-free and everything like that. So, and then in the next one, we're going to deal with, um, we're going to Japan is all I can really say, but it, you know, so we'll have new monsters um, and right. it's, yeah. So each one, we're going to go rescue a monster. It's going to tie into the school and then we just keep going. So, yeah. And then, yes, I would like it to be a TV show. Um, I haven't thought about video games or anything like that, but that would be my next step is like either and then it's just deciding whether it would be a YA age TV show like you know a you know a Wednesday or a Stranger Things or if it would be a more a younger animation um, like a Kippo or or something like that or something. I, so I, I, it's I, just I, age wise. So this this is going to age myself just a touch. Yeah. Remember the original Teen Titans cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I, like I, 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 I think I could. I, I think I would rock as a Teen Titans. Yeah. Cartoon. I, you know, and I think when I originally wrote it, I definitely wrote it with those kind of shows in mind. You know, yeah. and then it just depends on what, you know, as a writer myself, as a TV writer, as a screen, you know, I would maybe want to write um, live action, which would be more teen. But yeah. I also like love animation, great animation shows with teams that go on little things together. So. I think it does definitely depend on, but I think the audience for the graphic novel is definitely probably, you know, you'd be in the more Teen Titans kind of but we'll, thing, we'll, yeah. We'll well, actually, it's funny. I, and then we'll wrap up. I actually did an yeah. interview with someone that worked at Animation Magazine. She actually broke yeah. down. She does television as her as her thing. She actually broke yeah. down why live action was 
easier in a lot of ways yeah. than animation. Like I, animation, like like I like with all respect to like I, I joked about it as by people that are actually on the movie sets really want mm-hmm. to make more off ninety nine point nine percent of the time want the best movie possible. Yeah. And even then, like just the right crew, the right cast, the right like there's a mm-hmm. lot movies are in my opinion or move actually anything television movies are like magic in the sense yeah. that to get them to work very well mm-hmm. it's almost like a miracle each and every time because it's the right people at the right place at the right time and that's yeah. the challenge with live action animation it's like oh god this is like 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 they're, they're like there's a little miracle at the beginning of live action but once you have if you somehow capture it yeah it's actually easier if mm-hmm. whereas animation's like you don't need necessarily that but you got to have like a lot of things kind of aligned to make to make yeah, it work so sure. yeah so i i could maybe that's part of it i don't know Although well it's I, just well it's a different type of as a writer it's a different type of storytelling you know yeah. for the from the writer's perspective like if you're doing animation you're working with a storyboard you know you've got it's a it's a different you got two different storytellers going on there you know and then you know so in it just depends on the kind of what i kind of writing you wanted to yeah. Yeah. No. But no. It's fair. Yeah. yeah. It's it's fair. Um, question. Okay. This this is the this the last question about that is a writer slash producer or just writing the show. Like, would you like to write the show or would you just produce the show? Well, like, what would be like the ideal here? Oh, I would want to write write yeah. slash produce the show, yeah. but I would also just like the show to get made. So I'm also no ego on that front. <laughs> but yeah, no. yeah, I mean, but ultimately though, I would say I would want it to get optioned, but I would definitely if it was going to be a TV show, want to be staffed on it. And then at that point, I mean, you would, I would most likely be a writer producer because I created the source content, but yeah. No, I, but I, yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah, I totally do. But um, that's a whole, that's a future. <laughs> no, no, no. But Hey, yeah. I, I, I just put a save, like put it out there. Cause you never know what, what'll happen. You have a great book. Like yeah. what I have read so far, you have a great book. And you haven't, and I haven't got you. I got to send you the digital copy of the whole book because yeah. um, that's where yeah. you get into the like. Um, yeah, like like you, like like, you, like it, it's one of those. It's one of those uh, ones where I was really intrigued. That, like really, that I have read so far. It's like I'm I'm genuine. I'm genuinely intrigued by it, and it's you have a cool concept. You really yeah. really do, and you should be very proud of it. And I can see. Thank you. I can see where. Um, just based on some of our conversation here, where, like where some of those influences are. So um, I think I think we have an interview here. What do you think? I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's happening, right? We can't. <laughs> oh, no. I, 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 hey, listen, some, some, like very rarely, very rarely, you'll get an interview where it's like, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, right? I think we had some, we, I think we had some fun. And, yeah. And, yeah, it's really cool talking with you. So this is the part where we do with all the magical promotion and stuff like that. Okay. So you should do the magical promotion and stuff like that. All right. How about well, gonna, Okay, I'll do that. I'm gonna and I'm gonna pitch the story because I didn't quite do it yet. We kind of went around it, but basically, Mary Shelley's School for Monsters, La Llorona and the Machine. The concept is is that a young Mary Shelley is in the graveyard. She comes across an occult mad scientist. Um, he has kidnapped the evil book of the dead, the Necronomicon, and when she touches it. It splits, it casts a powerful spell and splits her to two versions of herself. One version that goes on to be the Mary Shelley who writes Frankenstein, and then a supernatural immortal teenage version who goes on to rescue other monsters and start a school for monsters, kind of all of the X-Men, and they go on missions each book to rescue a new monster, and La Llorona is their first monster. They have to get her out of a video game. Um, so you can, we had a really great Kickstarter for this um, in May and June. Um, we raised about $11,000. We just uh, released the book at San Diego Comic-Con. Did really well at that show, actually. And um, sending out the Kickstarters this week, um, the next two weeks, over over the next two weeks. And you can pre-order the book on either my website, wickedtreepress.com, or you can go to the Kickstarter page for Mary Shelley School for Monsters and it'll bring you to the backer kit pre-order page and you can do that there um you can find me at wicked tree Prats at instagram or which um or facebook and then i have other books but that's one i'm focusing on right now so <laughs> fair yeah and that will do it folks for today tomorrow i have rick offenberger coming back on the show he's launching his latest g-men kickstarter um i just just released a new episode of the travel show on the patreon kevin weir is my guest my san diego stuff will be starting in about two weeks i have a lot of content to kind of go there 
so if you guys want to support my Patreon, patreon.com slash justjoshingpodcast. But for everybody watching, everybody listening, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Stay inspired. Keep shining in the dark. And I'll see you guys next time. Just Joshing is turning 1,000. And what is next in store for the show? The truth is, it's already happening. I've been recording shows since the start of the year in preparation of me going on the road. You can watch and listen to them now. They are available on my Patreon channel for the price of $5 US. Not only will you get to see these shows months in advance, but you can also help me when I take this show on the road. Click on the Patreon link for more details. Josh. Josh.